Wait, give me one more second. So, John, we're talking on Skype, which is a cloud service that seems to manage to stay up. Can you think of many others? Uh, not a whole lot. And I think the reason why Skype stays up is that it's it's it 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 does as little in the cloud as it can possibly get away with, and it, and I think that is its magic. And why would we be talking about this, Scotty? Is it because I was complaining to you just before we got started? I think it has something to do with, oh, we have to talk about Apple and cloud services that go down. Okay, well, I will complain because uh, we were readying a, readying a release and we have our, had our release candidate on Friday and it being a nice long weekend, we thought we could just let things burn in while we'll use the app um, as, as consumers hopefully do. Um, and I noticed that there was a bunch of problems at, where you couldn't do something that was very, very important. You want to say, you know, move the map to Paris or let me look up a specific place where I want to leave a note. And it was giving us dreaded errors. I'm like going, crap, crap, crap. What did I do? Actually, I said something much more vulgar, but we're trying to maintain a family friendly atmosphere on this podcast. Not. Um, and uh, then I said, OK, well, fine. I'll interrupt my weekend. I'll plug my phone in. I'll run it and see. look at the logs. And in fact, uh, we were getting 500 errors back when using CL Geocoder. And it was very, very sad. And I thought, okay, I don't know what I could have possibly done to deserve such an error, but I, I searched on the internets, which you can do just by pasting the, the error message and then four or five you know entries for it, including a stack overflow thread saying that this problem has been around for a couple of days recently. And it made me, uh, made me think, made me pause. Fortunately. So what was the problem? Well, I mean, basically, what, what was actually causing? The well, problem? I mean, it's it's a back end. Basically, they 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 had a server. Uh, yes, it, a particular server um, or group of servers servers that were returning five hundreds for any any search. So, and then that's kind of the tricky thing about CL Geocoder is that it it I don't know of a way to distinguish between a I could not resolve this this geo query that you're asking me to do and I've had an error because it just returns a generic error you can't find out exactly what the error the the, the error code is exactly the same you can't distinguish it um, which you can on other web services where there's a big difference between say 404 meaning not found or you know 500 which is server error but in this case it, it just seems like a bank of servers uh, were not working and depending uh, my, and my presumption is is that depending on where you are in the world you may or may not have ever seen this and in the simulator you didn't see it so I don't know you know this is something that's completely underneath the hood it's like if you make a request using CL geocoder it's not like you say please address this request to such and such a specific server that it's that that's obscured from you um, but Apple wasn't the only one having problems you know we had problems with findery because a good chunk of Amazon web services went down so I don't know how many other services were having problems uh, but uh, we did so so much for a nice relaxing Memorial Day weekend yeah, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because we one of the reasons for going with the cloud is 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 supposedly an infrastructure that is more robust, um, and yeah, we don't want to have to keep playing with the servers and watching them all ourselves. But yeah, okay, they they probably if we saw the statistics, it's not that much. But it it does feel like you know we hear about well, Apple and cloud services, we hear about problems all the time. Mm. Um, and I don't know why. Why is it? Let's let's just pause it. Why is it that Apple can't get the cloud right? 
Um, you know, I, I can't believe it's not because they're not putting money in it. Do you think it's just something about their culture? Do you think it's something about, you know, Apple Apple are very much based often around uh, very small teams. Is it that actually this requires big teams and their culture doesn't do it? Well, you know, why why do Apple just keep getting problems? I mean, some people have been saying, oh, Apple are going to get more into cloud. I think someone was speculating whether Apple were going to get into search or something. Um, and then it's like, oh, okay, well, that might be cool, but, you know, based on the search in iTunes and the search in the App Store, <laughs> that's not a place they should go either, but there we are. But, you know, why, why does Apple have problems? And then there's Amazon. You know, it's not that unusual to hear of um, Amazon Web Services going down. And, and you know, yeah, yeah, that's a huge infrastructure. Uh, is this just an inherently complex problem even the best companies can't solve, or is there something else wrong here? I think there are a couple of things. I think I think that, that the reality is is that with the amount of services that are on the cloud now, um, that it is, it is a difficult thing. And I think that if, if you were to try and compare it with any other industry, I mean, if you look at, you know, how often does somewhere, you know, is there somewhere a blackout or, or a, a problem with the with the electrical grid? And the United States is known for having a, a kind of antiquated one. Or how often is there kind of, you know, there was a sinkhole in Manhattan down by Katz's Deli because there was a water leak. So I think any type of, of, of high-scale service, the large-scale services, eventually they, they're, there's always going to be some type of problem. And I don't think that that cloud computing is any different. I think specifically with Apple, though, is I, I have a hunch that there are literally a very, very small number of people who really know how to do this stuff. And if you you have to imagine that for a company like Google or a company like Facebook, where you know they begin and end in in in, in their ability to to maintain their services. They, they put everything they can into to finding those people and making sure that they never, ever leave. Whereas Apple, you know, Apple primarily is a hardware company. Yes, of course, you know, the, the, the pleasure of using their hardware has a lot to do with how clever the software and how well integrated it is. But I think that, you know, I, I don't, you find far fewer problems or people talking about some engineering failure in the hardware side uh, with Apple than you ever do from from the cloud computing. So I think that that answers the question is that, you know, that it's hard to to, to be super, fat, you know, Apple level good or Google level good or Facebook level good in more than about one thing. And unfortunately, to do it with both hardware design and software design and <laughs> and cloud computing, that's that's a pretty tall order. And I don't know that any company is able to do all all three of those things, at, you know, to some degree of flawless. Yeah, and I guess it's yeah. I I don't know. We said a whole host of AWS went down. I mean, it could have just been happened that it was bits that you were on, or you know, and actually it was a small bit. And you know, I I know it's ninety nine point nine nine percent uptime and whatever else is promised. But you know, if 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 you've got tens and tens of thousands of servers, that still means you can have that sort of uptime and still always have some day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So it's uh. Well, uh. Yeah. So not not a problem I'd want to no. solve. I mean. Over the, okay, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say, two other things, is that, uh, you know, the, the reality is, is that if you are prepared to pay enough money, and specifically with Amazon services, you know, you're supposed to, you know, if you want to play with the big boys, you have to have 
you know, redundancy in multiple uh, regions, right? So Amazon is all about, it's like, okay, we've got a bunch of, of server capacity here in the eastern United States, in the western United States, and I guess in Hong Kong, and, and you know, in various places in Europe, and they, they keep adding these different centers. And so the idea is that you it's up to you, the app developer, the service provider, to maintain redundancy and so that you can fulfill requests, even if they're slower, you can still fulfill requests from server, from, from server capacity that's further away from your eventual customer. Um, but the other thing I was going to, and, 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 you know, you have to do that. I, the other thing about Apple, though, is everybody says, oh, they can't do cloud, they can't do cloud. But still, as far as I know, um, the Apple, the, the, the iTunes store, the, the, you know, the app store does stay up. I mean, you know, when, when, it, can, when it comes to making money, they're able to keep those services up. I, I, I really cannot think of a time um, when, when I was wanted to buy some track and I wasn't able to do some or download an app, you know. that's very true and that's obviously the bit that's most important i mean the developer services and the other bits that we all get to use are free or effectively they're sort of not money making for apple maybe more flaky and uh but the stuff that works for them making money always stay yeah and the thing now that i think about it i feel like an idiot i forgot to check this one thing i forgot to do a search in maps and see if that was having problems because there therein would say okay uh you know when it comes time to keeping our mapping services up and running and be able to to geocode it's never going to go down and we have to jettison so i mean I, i guess maybe that that helps answer the question a little bit is that you you know maintaining super redundancy is is a hard and expensive thing and so you know you have to kind of make some choices and so if something goes down it goes down you know you can't you but it's uh this is not 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 an easy thing to do but you know if it, all that said if you the app developer out there listening saying oh well i can't go out and have a a a build an app that requires a back end because you know it will go down if I use somebody else's service it will go down if you do it yourself and you know even the big you know Netflix has had out- outages you know every company in the planet has had outages Google Mail although it's rare there have been problems when Gmail's been down so don't let that dissuade you from from taking advantage of it I think by now most people have had enough experience of, of some service going down that it's not like they're going to stop using an app or stop using Google Maps because one day it was down for x number of minutes or hours yeah and you know a lot of these things that we complain are down for most of us using them they're not costing us really anything or anything of any serious amount right. um so you know, you get what you pay for as well i guess ah. and as you said i think it's our responsibility um, if we're doing server stuff to ensure our own redundancy, not rely on somebody else to do redundancy because that's not necessarily what they're selling us. They've, they've not sold us 100% uptime. time. Yeah. They've said it's possible if you do all the things you just said. Yeah. But um, yeah. I've been doing, uh, yeah, I find myself over the last year to two years, you know, having to do more and more server side stuff um, with APIs and this because, yeah, the, the days of an isolated application are, you know, Yes, they still exist, but you know most things are about connectivity these days, and, and so I've really sort of recently been uh, sort of saying, okay, I, I do a whole bunch of stuff, and I, when I started doing server stuff a number of years ago, I'd use something like Heroku or something, you know, something that just made it easy and whatever else. But then that starts getting expensive as soon as you start doing anything of any size, and so I've just been trying to learn more and more about deploying my own servers and sort of demystifying it now you know there's no way i'm on a um you know facebook type <laughs> uh level that'd be nice because i should probably get a really good job 
if that was the case. Um, but just sort of, you know, having clusters of servers with load balancers and application servers and database servers and primaries and things. Been spending quite a lot of time learning that sort of stuff. And, and I can just appreciate even just um, something like ReviewCast, which is currently involving three servers, uh, not because it needs three servers or that sort of load by any means at all, but just because I wanted to play with more of this structure. You know, there's an awful lot of places where things can go wrong. There's an awful lot of places where you need all the bits to add up together, and uh, the nature of server configuration is sort of very fiddly as well, and things don't tie up necessarily uh, together all the time. Uh, but anyway, we're doing this stuff. I've been finding myself doing the same thing again and again and again. I was doing something for a review cast, or I was doing uh, an API for something. Um, so I've spent, uh, it's been on and off for probably about six months now, some time playing with a, uh, an open source I don't know if you call it product, I guess, um, called Chef. Have you ever heard of Chef? I have. You have. It's, uh, which basically just allows you to roll, write scripts to roll out servers. And so you, you play with them and get them right. And then you know, once it's right, you can press the button and in theory roll out identical servers all the time for, for mass deployment. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it just turns out to be really powerful. And I'm, getting, I'm starting to get quite good at Chef scripts now uh, and in and, and doing things. And just this, for as a developer, the ability to... Um, I use Linode, I think I said this last week, more than AWS, because especially since they've started doing um, uh, minute-by-minute billing instead of month-by-month um, uh, -month billing on servers. You can roll servers up and down as much as you like, just like you can on AWS. You know, but the ability as a developer just to um, trash your server, just say, okay, rebuild that server from scratch, from a raw Linux um, distribution, and have all these developer tools put in and all these... APIs and whatever else put on it um, and just have that take about 20 seconds uh, just <laughs> it's really really clean for working with and knowing where you're starting and if you're changing stuff and seeing if it was to the fresh build um, and so even though it's may not have uh, server work I have said server works not necessarily the core part of my job although I do find myself doing more and more of it is for, for clients um, you know it's just the time to learn this stuff my appreciation and understanding um, actually helps me when thinking about how to, to design an app or do apps because now yeah that background knowledge is all in there. So I'm, I'm just sort of saying if even if you don't do much with service, sometimes getting some of these tools and learn how to use them is going to sort of give you a broader knowledge and help you to be a better developer elsewhere. Um, I mean, I know, John, you have lots of people in your company, you know, but I know you did stuff with Memory Miner. Is, is the server work something that you always used to dread or is it something you quite enjoy tinkering with? Where did it fit well, for you? I, mean, I, I, I agree with what you said. It's like, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to work on new things. It's, it's, I think it's also fun to be able to, you know, enjoy making something just work really well. Right. I mean, so, and as, as you pointed out, it's very hard to, to, you know, reset things, get things back to a proper state, you know, making something, making, making a deploy process work flawlessly is similar to kind of setting a phone up or, or setting a, a, a computer up to kind of simulate a, 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 an environment where your app has never been installed. And, and it's not, it's not particularly a super fun thing to do, but it's so incredibly necessary. And, and I think that, you know, even, even the process of, of, of writing, of writing this, you know, even the process of making a simple shell script, forces you to to it is programming it forces you to to think what is the simplest solution to this problem um so i i think that that you know even if you don't love 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 doing it it's important to dip your toes into into other 
problems using different tool sets because it will make you a better programmer using the, the tools and the, and, the, and the problems that you you're, you're typically want to address. Yeah. And I just think what, what, it, what it does to me as well is it just demonstrates to me the uh, the usefulness of automation uh, for, for many things. So, for example, when I'm setting up a brand new uh, Linux server, I tend to use Ubuntu as my main server just because I've become familiar with it and it's very popular and there's loads of documentation on it, not because I necessarily think it's the best or anything. Um, but, you know, uh, even a basic install of Ubuntu uh, security-wise is full of holes and whatever else. So just learning more a bit about security but scripting it as you go along means that, you know, now when my server deploys... Every single port gets locked down from day one, and any things are open that I explicitly open in the scripts. Yeah, all sorts of things could happen. So it's not only the fact that I can roll a server out quickly. It's not, you know, I can roll a server out that's secure and stable and exactly the configuration I want quickly to do it with. And it's something, you know, to look at automating other areas of my you know, development workflow and things like this. And I guess a big one is, and this is something I don't do yet, and I really should do, um, is continuous integration. Now, do you use continuous integration on your Findry stuff, or is, is you know, how does that work for we you guys? We do for the, the server portion that using Jenkins. We don't do CI for, for the iOS app yet. We've, we've tried. It's a little bit, you know, when, when the, the, the Xcode automation stuff came out last year, we tried to make it work with that, but we ran into problems with making it work uh, if you have CocoaPods. Maybe the problem has been solved, but that was something that made it almost impossible to do. Um, prior to that, I'd had some experience with using Jenkins um, for another iOS project, and boy, is it great to have, but um, I'm embarrassed to admit that we, we aren't using it right now to, to build our app. We, we build it manually. Well, these things take time. I mean, the main reason I haven't done CI for myself is, you know, it's, yeah, if I, it's like, it's for the server stuff. I cannot, you know, the time that I've spent looking at this stuff is probably added up to weeks and weeks mm. by now. Um, and, and, you know, some of it I had to do because, you know, I had to do it and some of it because I wanted to do it. You know, and that's actually a very serious investment of time. Now, the reality is I think those weeks and weeks and possibly months, you know, for the rest of my career will pay off. Um, but it's not going to pay off in a, you know, and I'm not going to get a return straight away in a week, um, anything like that. And I think a lot of these things, it's like, I guess, um, it's the same behind test-driven development, isn't yep. it? Lots of people, lots of people hate test-driven development because it feels like, uh, and this is my biggest problem, it feels like you're not getting anywhere with your project when you start by writing tests. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and actually, the reality is, test-driven development doesn't really come into its own until you're doing 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, because now you can make changes with confidence, you're not breaking things, and you've paid that upfront price for your 1.0. Now, of course, we all sit here and say you want to get 1.0 out the door as fast as you can and prove your point, and everything against, you know, everything about... Um, lean development you might say goes against test driven development in many ways um and so it's all about where you invest your time and your money yep yep talking about where you invest your time and your money john oh i am gonna tell you somewhere where it will be great to invest your time and your money and that's in the product called briefs which is uh, the sponsor for our show again this week from the amazing guys at martian craft now briefs is a prototyping tool that allows you to mock up your apps uh, in the way they look and the way they behave and the way they feel and then load them onto the device and you'll be able to get a great um, 
feel straight away for firstly how it's going to look on the device but more importantly how it's going to behave on the device how that transition is going to look whether those buttons are in the right place whether the flow of your application is the flow that the user is going to understand all doing this from design drawings and design mock-ups before you have to code anything and you know that investment in that upfront time of doing that design which we all do these days and very very few people uh, work on apps without a designer or design of some form these days because the quality that's expected is so high um, but to to understand and, and get a real grasp of whether that app is going to work from just your Photoshop mock-up is really quite hard. And so this investment into this product, investment into this time to uh, try your app out as a mock-up, first of all, could save you hours and hours of coding or maybe even days of coding on features that don't quite look right or feel right, and you can discover that early. So if you want to invest in your future... Go check out briefs at giveabrief.com. Thank you to the guys at Martian Craft for sponsoring the show. Be great as usual, and um, we love your product briefs. Briefs make your app flow smooth like Snoop Dogg. John, you could get uh, you could get a, a job in marketing and branding and in all sorts with with your uh, yeah whatever. Let's go. <laughs> Well, Scotty, John, what else? What else has been smooth and slick this uh, week? Well, here, well, speaking about getting what you pay for, are you ready for this? You know, we like briefs because they charge a proper price for a proper product, and they don't they don't partake in this lie of free. And free can often be a lie. And uh, th this whole concept has been much discussed by our our, our friend Oral Balkan. Uh, for for some time since he's been working on this thing called Indie Phone and and is pushing on uh, this July fourth in Brighton the Indie Tech sum, uh, Summit the de Declaration of Independence of the Internet which I thought was very interesting I'll, I'll put this in the show notes and I think for for those who hasn't been haven't been following it um, he is is a guy who who, who you know kind of makes his living. Uh, uh, you know, uh, advocating for the proper place and user experience when designing software and building services. And I think in, in reaction to the whole scandals of the NSA, you know, what was revealed and, and the whole questions that have been roiling about the internet, about privacy and, 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 you know, what should you be able to expect if you're using a free service in terms of privacy and, 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 and how your identity is sold, how you become the product, and, and if you're not paying for the, the, the software or the service. And so there is the summit that's going on where uh, they're gathering together designers and, and software engineers and, and evangelists to, to talk about you know, what this means going forward. I know that he's been working personally on this project called Indie Phone, where you know to create an iPhone, you know, a, sorry, a phone operating system um, that it has similar kind of user experience quality to Apple products, but has the kind of uh, free uh, aspects that you get from from the best of the open source um, operating systems and and stacks. And uh, it is no small challenge that's being undertaken. And I have to say, I kind of I, I support it, and I, I hope that it's successful. In the same way that you know, I hope that App.net would be successful and and, and ha has been successful to to a certain extent, proving that you could do it. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out, and and if if uh, there becomes a critical mass of people and, and and ultimately paying customers who are willing to say, you know, because uh, owning my identity, owning my information, and being very very clear about you know the value I'm going to give back. For the services I'm I'm, I'm receiving, 
um, would support things that are, are not kind of free, so to speak, false free. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But I, I did definitely want to kind of make a shout out for it. So false free, define authentic free for Well, see, I think that's the thing. It's like there, there, there's no such thing. I think free is a lie. I mean, that's a, the phrase that, that, that is being used a lot. You know, you say, you know, uh, I, I use Facebook. It's free. It's not free. You know, you're, you're basically providing all your information, and then that's what allows Facebook to use you as, as a customer. You know, as rather as a product which are sold to, to advertisers. You know, and Findry, you know, we, we've made it very clear from the beginning that the business model is, is sponsored notes. And there's been commercial activity on there. We believe that we can do it in a reasonable way, but it's it's very, very clear from, from the, 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 the get-go. There's a founding blog post that that talks about it. Um, so I think that that you know, I just I, I get So it shouldn't shouldn't be called free really. It should be should be called um subsidized yeah. because someone is paying for my exactly. access and I, I think this is the thing that i mean during the whole health debate you know healthcare debate here in the united states you know there were people on one side saying you know we should have systems like they have in europe where you can have free healthcare, and it drives drives me nuts it's like there's no such thing as free things cost you what you should be arguing about what is the most efficient way to to, to deliver a service right and 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 even now when you talk about for instance consuming television programs and abc go as an example i mean there, there's there's a television program i like watching with my wife on 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 abc and in, you can watch it for free but you, you watch it in, in on an ipad app which where you cannot skip through the commercials and it's kind of even worse than than watching it on broadcast television because it's you know it, it's it, it i guess it's harder to, to to look away i guess if the screen is there right in front of me i i've tried different formulas and it's not that i i, I hate watching commercial i understand that you know i'm not paying for the content and uh, and so I'm paying with my, my eyeballs and having you know a commercial message kind of hammered onto the back of my brain, but it's just it's the way it's been done. And it's like if you're seeing the same thing over and over again, it bugs me. I mean, you go to see a movie in France, um, and they they put in the schedule when the when the kind of the the séance when the beginning of when you can kind of go into the the, the theater, but then there's a, a series of commercials. They happen to be extremely well done. They're really entertaining. They're almost as, as better than the movie sometimes. So I was always very happy to go to them. So there's it, it's not to say that that you can't have a a an environment or a service or a product that is, you know. Where you the, the the customer does not pay with 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 money, but pays with with, with whatever becoming an audience member. I just think it, it needs to be very very clear. And then if you do decide to go that route, hopefully you can do it artfully at least. So maybe we can invent the new term: subsidized software, subsidized services. Yeah, in there. I mean, it, and just to clear up a point, John, we don't say in the UK we have free healthcare. We say we have healthcare that's free at the point of use. Right. Okay. But we don't pretend we don't pretend right, it's free. Yeah. We we are paying quite heavily for it in different ways through taxes. Um, but uh, uh, it's uh, the point is it doesn't matter how much tax I pay, I'm always going to get right. healthcare. Um, anyway, that that's a different yeah. issue. So it, yeah, this is um, so. What's this conference trying to achieve? I mean, is this a, a uh, I'm going to say the word talking shop, but I don't mean that negatively. Is this a place for, for, for people to explore their ideas here, or are these guys making a declaration? Uh, I, I think that out of it, I mean, I, I think that, you know, them saying that they're going to do it on July 4th, that it's, it's, 
the symbolism there is as important. It's like, okay, well, July 4th, you know, in the United States, we're, we're going to be uh, punching any Brits that we come across um, as, as to remember our own uh, Revolutionary War. <laughs> in fact, I think I have a picture somewhere. I should dig it up. But, uh, <laughs> I was in, in London on, uh, and I went to a London Cocoa Heads um, uh, uh, event on July 4th. I happened to have just arrived in town, so I have a picture of me ceremoniously punching a Brit in the nose uh, to, to memorialize our own War of Independence. But I think that, you know, most of the, the big companies that, that they would kind of say that they're acting against, the Facebooks, the Googles, the, the Apples, the whomevers of the world, most of them are in the United States. So I guess in some way they're trying to say, we are going to take back the, 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 the internet as people know it from from these companies that uh, are, are you know, whatever, taking away our freedom, so to speak, or, or doing things without our explicit permission and, and kind of pushing the envelope about what, what one should be able to reasonably expect w with privacy. So uh, from what I'm seeing just by, by reading it, it's just, you know, they're saying that they, they want to come together on this. They want to be able to talk shop. And I believe that they, they probably will come out with some, some actual declarations in the same way that, you know, that there was a Declaration of Independence, that, which was a founding document for the U.S. of A., Quite interesting. Just looking at the website, so they have Richard Stallman yep. um, yes. on, on the list of speakers yep. um, from the Free Software Foundation, and you know a lot of people would say that the Free Software Foundation has sort of, sort of fairly extremist views when it comes to this uh -huh. stuff. Um, but yeah, maybe it takes six. I think it often takes extremist views to begin something in order for then the moderate views to become dominant. But until it's it's, it's extremist views that cut a path. Yeah, I know it. It and and it's it's funny because I mean it's it's I was thinking like I can make snarky comments about about Richard Stallman as a speaker and stuff, but it's it's kind of not worth it. I mean I think that you know the, the reality is I think for for any movement. Unfortunately, you know, fortunately or not, there are, are are extremists, and they do help shape things. And at, at some point, you do have to find the edge, you know, because that is important, right? So, you know, and I, and I think that I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to believe that his 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 thoughts and his actions are are coming from a place of of he really believes that 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 you know we should know what we're paying for and, and what's happening with us because that i guess that's always been the funny thing about about software and the internet in general because there's not some there's not a physical aspect to it it's hard for people to to kind of react to it in the way that they would react if something similarly ha similar happened in the physical world i mean like for instance you know and i've seen funny videos that try and, and sensitize to people to this but i mean if you're walking down let's say in the public street and then all of a sudden kind of you know somebody came right up to you and like blasted an ad right in front of your face or was like you know pulling data out of you know picking your pocket you would you would react strongly yet when you're out there on the internet, that's kind of what, what's happening, right? And it's like things are, are, are you're, you're, they're attaching things to you. I mean, with cookies, for example, you know, tracking devices, nobody would, you know, if you walk down the street and somebody, you know, patted you on the back and, and, and saying, hi, Scotty, but what they're really doing is attaching an ARFID to you and then tracking everywhere you go, you would probably say, what the hell are you doing? What, in fact, if you use the internet, that's, that is what is happening, right? So, you know, I think that, that, I don't think that you can, the modern internet can't run without these, these tools and techniques. And it's not, 
it, in my mind, it's not entirely that, that, that they exist. It's that it's that it, there's there's a lack of transparency, and that people should be able to know exactly how things are done. Uh, Europeans do it much, you know, much more conscious of this stuff. I mean, I, I notice now you read a website, and on the bottom everywhere they have a, a cookie policy, and it's funny. I wonder to, to, you see it less often in the United States um, because I guess they're able to. That's because it's it EU, is law. EU law. I know, I know, but what they're what they then they are doing is is basically trying to figure out is the request coming from within the EU or not. So sometimes you see it, sometimes not, um, and it's uh, because geo IP location is not an absolutely perfect science. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's 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 one of these things that I, I do follow closely because I, I I care about it and I I wish them luck. So do I. I think. Uh discussing it's good to discuss these things and um you know even if it ends up going nowhere or it changes the world it's you know it's it's a valid exercise mm -hmm. so just just moving on john by time this time next week uh being day two of wwdc uh the keynote will be over this is our last chance to get everything wrong um so i'm just going to ask you quickly um there, there has not been, as far as I can remember, a WWDC uh, keynote without a hardware announcement of some form, even if it's just a sort of um, a rev of a of a spec on a current machine or something. For um, well, I, I can't remember the last time there wasn't. Uh, so last year we got um, the Mac Pro announced, and we had the um, upgraded MacBook Airs with the Haswell processors. Mm -hmm. Um, we had Mavericks for OS ten. So there's also I can't remember a year. Yeah, there's going to be an OS announcement of some form. Um, we've had last year we had Mavericks and we had iOS seven. So it was actually a pretty big year on the iOS on the iOS side last year at time, and actually with the Mac Pro a pretty big year on the hardware side. So last year's keynote goes down as a biggie, I mm -hmm. think, when we look back on them. So just very quickly, um, for me from each of those areas, then pick, make your predictions for for next week what are we going to see in the hardware announcement what are we going to see in uh, some sort of os 10 announcement or are we going to see anything are they going to make them and what do you think we're going to see uh, just just major points don't do every detail for the ios announcement uh well i think the the big hardware announcement is going to be some type of sensor you know sensor because the, isn't it being discussed right now i guess in the financial times about saying that they're they're going to make a big home automation play and if that's the case then that's all going to be built around some type of sensors that can be programmed and and accessed for 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 your own health and happiness using an an iphone uh, or or other ios device for that matter um so i guess that that's that's going to be the big announcement Okay, for I don't think we're going to see yeah, that, personally. I, I could be totally wrong. I, I remember remember my track record at predicting WWC keynotes is at about minus 50% accuracy. I say it, it is it's, like... It is. I think, uh, uh, I can't remember which year it was, John. I remember me and you were in the keynote line together and we went into the overflow room and the keynote is always sort of five, ten minutes old by the time you actually get into the overflow room. And I think by the time I sat down on my chair, every <laughs> single one of my predictions have been proven wrong. So that's the type of, um, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think so. I, I think I'd like to say, I'd love to see, I'm not sure we will. I'm going to give this a 50-50 chance. I'd like to see a Retina yeah. iMac because I think that would be an interesting machine to developers because the high-end iMac is a powerful machine and, and very, very 
you know, we don't need Matt Pros as developers really. Um, you know, it, it, we don't have the same sort of intensity as video editing and all the rest of it. And a high-end iMac with a Retina screen would be a great development machine. Um, especially now it's got the uh, PCI flash in there for the, for the um, um, hard disk and everything. You know, that will be a, a, a great machine. Um, I imagine if we do see one, it'll be a 24-inch one. It'll, the iMac will drop back to 24-inch. But um, that's there. Uh, okay, so what about on the operating system side? Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, there'll be iOS 8, and but mostly that they'll be showing that there's going to be operating systems for other devices and uh, that you will have uh, some chance of being able to deploy your code to these devices um, for the health and happiness and enjoyment of the developer and their end customers. Yeah, I, I, do you know, I really don't know on the um, the operating system side. What I'd love to see is like a, a what what we call now the Snow Leopard year, where it's actually just a complete um, improvement of APIs, improvement behind the scenes, no new features, um, just a bit of a consolidation in the APIs. People uh, in the um, in the UIs, people are saying that uh, they think there's going to be quite a big rev. Some people are saying to a big rev to the um, Mavericks. Uh, the OS 10 UI, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I'd like. To, I think, I think developers would like to see a year of things being made solid. Yes, <laughs> solid and and and. There we are. Yeah. So we'll see which one of you is which one of us is more wrong. I think that <laughs> I'm vying for the Hoover Award for my my predictions sucking more than than anyone else's. Well, one of us will take the um the sucky we'll call it uh, award <laughs> next week when we uh well maybe the week after because you're you eventually got a ticket to WWDC so I'm not sure if we'll be online next week because you'll probably be just soaking up the lab or soaking up a party or soaking up something oh no it'll be uh, eight o'clock in the morning for you you just won't be up <laughs> exactly that's, that's the thing um so you're going you are going what's the one thing you're hoping to get out of next week. It's the thing I always get hope uh, hoping to get, but the, the the one thing I'm probably going to spend more time than anything else is is accessibility. I mean, we you know I've I made another round of improvements, but now it's time to to you know I'm I'm looking forward to to spending some quality time with some accessibility engineers, uh, as much to really know what what best practice is because as I'd said in prior podcasts, it's not you know the 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 technical aspects of it are are pretty easy to understand. It's, but it's more about saying, what should you do? And especially with an app like Findery, I think that there's lots of great possibilities. And I just, I want to make it the, you know, right, right now, I think the, the best app that I've heard of is, is the, the train tables, right? I mean, it's like, it, it, it's useful even if you have no, you know, have no need for accessibility technology. But I, I kind of really think, wow, what a great lifesaver that is for, for somebody that, that they're used every day. So I would, I would love... I would love it, absolutely love it, if if some way in a future release that people who um, have problems with vision or or whatever are are kind of really able to to experience something, have a pleasant experience, you know, experiencing what life is like in in a place around them or or on the other side of the planet. So, well, I really hope that that breaks. You know, you get what yeah. you need out of that. I was going to say breaks through, but I don't know what you're breaking through. Yeah. But you. I, I hope that you have a real success and look forward to hearing about it uh, next time we're yeah. together. So, John, uh, it's been great speaking to you. Tell people where they can well, find you, can... you on the internet. 
Well, you can always find me on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitter as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum, and you can find out all about my delightful product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. My name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. On ADN is Scotty. You can find me on Findery as Scott SD. You can find the show notes for this podcast at iDeveloper.co. Now, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. I don't normally do personal stuff, but I'm going to on this podcast. Uh, I'm part of a, a charity organization in my town that we're trying to raise, uh, get a grant to um, raise money to do some kids' play stuff in the town um, for 8- to 11-year-old kids. Um, and it's all we get this grant just by basically being voted for. Um, and uh, we're a small rural community and we're up against a lot bigger communities who find it far easier to get votes. And, but we reckon with another 100 or so votes, we can we can break through into getting some money. Um, so I'm going to put a link in the show notes. It's got to be done before the end of May, which I know is only a couple of days. And if you late listen to this, don't worry about it. But if you can spare five minutes to go click on the link, you will have to give me your email address. But I did this two months ago and they've never sent me anything else because I ticked the box. So they seem to honor that. If you could vote for the project um, using my worldwide connections, I would love you till the end of my days. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. If you're going to WWDC, have a great time. I'm going to try not to be too jealous. I'm, watching, I'm going to be watching the keynote at a local co-working space where they've brought in loads of beer and cider and set it all up on a big screen So, um, to when it's streaming. So hopefully we're still going to have a good time. But until next time, you all take care. Thank you.